Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And this week, we're talking about Season 2 of The Circle. Carrie's going to talk about her experiences running an RPG for the first time. And we also did something kind of fun. We swapped Spotify Discover Weekly playlists, and we're going to review each other's song choices. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk about you doing uh, DMing for the first time. Yeah. Like, I've done it very, very infrequently and a long time ago, and I didn't think it went very well. So I'm curious <laughs> if you have advice or how is yours is going? Oh, man. Um, I don't know if I have advice. <laughs> Gosh. So I was kind of nervous. And the only the only reason I really did it or really felt like I could do it was I was doing it with my friend group. I would never ever DM for a group I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really scary. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened was... Erica, my friend, and our normal DM mm -hmm. couldn't do it one week. And I was like, that is unacceptable because I need <laughs> to play D&D every week. <laughs> <laughs> and I had been wanting to try to DM. Mm -hmm. And we should probably preface this by saying that DM stands for Dungeon Master. In other RPGs, sometimes they call them a Game Master. So people will say DM or GM. Mm -hmm. And it just means you're leading the game. In the World of Darkness RPG, it is called The Storyteller. Oh, I like that. I love that. That's my favorite one. Anyway, but you're basically the, the one who's running everything. You're the host in a, in a way. You've got all the rules and all the mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. So you set the stage and you're the one who determines what the characters need to do to achieve their goals and everything like that. And I was nervous because... I'm not a big rules person, and we'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just worried that I wouldn't know things, and they would ask me questions. There were something that I really love, but also it scares me a little bit, is that the players will always come up with questions and situations and scenarios that you did not think about. <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool because you're improv and they're bringing a different perspective to the story that you're trying to tell. But on the other hand, you're like, oh, crap, I have to scramble for like the stats of whatever they turned the monster into and things like that. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of juggling, mm -hmm. but it's a really rewarding experience, I think. So our goal was to do a one shot. And that just means a game that can be completed in one session. We tend to have shorter sessions. Like some people play for four and five hours. We try to play for about two. Mm -hmm. And because it was my first session, my first one shot that I was running, I didn't quite get the timing right. So we didn't quite finish and we had to have another session to finish up the big battle at the end. But I think it worked out for the most part. Good. And I worked from a book called Uncaged. I think there are multiple volumes. I worked from volume one and it's a series of... I guess they're officially affiliated <laughs> with Dungeons and Dragons and Wizard of the Coast. So they're meant to slide into your D&D &D world or you can use it as one shot, but you're using Dungeons and Dragons rules as opposed to a different playing system. Mm -hmm. I chose an adventure. It's called The Guardian of the Forest, and it's by a writer named Awkward Bard. And all of the adventures in this book 
take inspiration from Greek mythology. Oh, cool. Yeah. But I think they, they've all tried to twist it and sort of make it more feminist and, and put an emphasis on the female characters and stuff like that. So in our story, the adventurers are in this, this forest and there's a guardian of the, of the forest who is, he's being hunted by one of his protégés who is a black dragon, a young black dragon. The other protégé is a Medusa named Petra. <laughs> so it takes inspiration from the Medusa story. And one of her powers is Petra can turn you into stone, which is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> but the adventurers run into Petra and she asks for their help. And you're going into this temple and trying to defeat this young black dragon, essentially. So it's a lot of fun. There are a lot of cool things about it. I believe, or at least my party has told me that they had a lot of fun doing it. Good. This is written for levels five to eight. And all of their characters were level eight, but there were three of them. And I ended up modifying a few things for time because I was like, oh, we could sort of skirt around here because you don't want to have, we wanted to keep it to about two hours and I didn't want to have them fighting all these people. So I fudged some things and I modified some of the, some of the monsters at the end to make it a little bit easier because our our group is not super into the rules in general like we do use them Mm -hmm. but we're not bound by them in a way Mm -hmm. so i wanted to just make it fun and one of the reasons that it was good timing was we have a new member in our dungeons and dragons group cool she's been learning to play and having a one shot where we could sort of erase undo any damage that was done to you <laughs> and you can get a, a few cool things and like we walked her through combat and stuff so it was a good way of getting her comfortable with the game mm-hmm. so that was very fun cool i think i told you this last week but <laughs> in private <laughs> so erica is not she lets us fudge some things but <laughs> <laughs> because i was like let's just have fun guys i <laughs> At one point, I was like, no rules in this house. (laughs) Because it was just supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. And they were having a good time. And I was like, yeah, you could take another action. You missed on the first one. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I know. I know. It was was real loose. (laughs) But also, part of it was because because it was my first time, I was like, oh, three mid-level adventurers can totally handle, like, three kobolds and an ogre and a black dragon. And then in the middle of it, I was like, maybe, maybe not. Just go ahead, go ahead, take another action. (laughs) (laughs) And that led to one of, one of my players (laughs) calling... She said I was like the divorced dad who takes the kids out for ice cream for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know what? If you're having fun, I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was definitely an experience. Mm -hmm. It was a good first experience and I'm excited to do it some more. Mm -hmm. Definitely I'm not ready to DM a game with people I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. And I definitely need to get a little bit more familiar with some of the rules. But yeah, I had a really good time. Cool. So what's the one biggest piece of advice you would have for somebody who wants to run a game for the first time? Oh, gosh. 
I guess it would be, if possible, to figure out what kinds of players your players are Mm. in the sense of, do they like abiding by the rules? Do they Mm -hmm. want a more story-oriented thing? Mm -hmm. And if you find something online because you don't want to write your own one-shot in a day or two, (laughs) (laughs) feel free to tailor it. Like, my party... Mm -hmm. We use the same characters, even though it was sort of, we just called it like an alternate universe one shot. Oh, okay. They're not big on combat. I love combat. because I don't know why. I think it's just because like, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. There are rounds and there are points. And then once the points are done, then the monster is dead. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not super into it. So I was like, I'm not going to make you go through three rounds of combat. Like we're going to make this encounter a little bit different and then we're going to save the combat for the end which is when Mm -hmm. we want our new player to learn how to play combat yeah yeah so i think if at all possible just know your players before you go into it okay and try to adapt as you go Mm -hmm. because if you're like a rule stickler and they're super not into it or like someone's getting mad because you're not sticking to the rules maybe try to adapt your play as you go Mm mm-hmm and I have one other question for you. Did you, mm-hmm. you only DM'd, you didn't also have a character. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. That would have been ooh, hard. <laughs> yeah. I have some friends who, who DM and they will have a character. They don't usually make their character be like super central or anything, but they mm-hmm. will have a character who in some ways kind of fills a hole in the party. Like if you don't have a healer or a tech person or something, yeah, gotcha. then they would have a little character that does something like that. But it's usually not somebody super integral or super powerful yeah i think that's fair i think it would be hard though and i wouldn't want to do it myself but yeah yes i understand why you would want to do that and it probably is a good idea i sort of made a mistake because not a mistake but i decided that petra the medusa they were helping wasn't going to help them fight oh because i was like i don't know if i can pilot that many characters at once yeah and I probably should have had her fight. Yeah, you could have just played her. Yeah. As an NPC, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess don't be afraid of that. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That it, I mean, I felt like I had a really hard time with it, but it was mm-hmm. a game I had never played before with a group oh. that I had only, only some of them had I gamed with before. They were all friends of mine. Okay. But I hadn't gamed with all of them. So I think, and it was a pre-written adventure, and I think I just got two mired in i've got to keep them on the real track of the real script here Mm. and not realizing that no this is this is improv not (laughs) theater (laughs) yeah that's a good point yeah cool yeah it was it was a lot of fun i feel like we've been talking about doing an rpg together for a while so we should probably make that happen yes we should that'd be fun (laughs) (laughs) let's get jeff to gm I think that would be, yeah, or, or my husband, Tom, who lots of GMs. We'll get yeah. somebody else to do it. Yes, not, not <laughs> us. <laughs> but while I've been exploring Dungeons & Dragons, you've been <laughs> falling back into The Circle on Netflix. Yes. The reality show that you really like. So tell us yeah. all about season two. Okay. I binged this really fast. It got dropped in like three chunks of four episodes each or something, which was so frustrating. But anyway. yeah this is the circle and we've talked about the circle before when season one dropped last year season two dropped this spring and for those who don't know or don't remember it is a competition show kind of similar to big brother where people are in apartments 
But unlike Big Brother, they're not all together. They are in separate apartments and they only communicate via text on like a fake social media thing. And they have to eliminate somebody every week. And whoever is the last person standing gets $100,000. And the funny thing was last year, I was so like, oh my goodness, how could they stay isolated with nobody to talk to and nobody to see for weeks at a time? And now I'm like, (laughs) these people were probably excited to just be somewhere different than (laughs) quarantined somewhere at home. And so that was hilarious. I feel like they almost caused the pandemic or something. (laughs) It's very strange. The funniest thing of this season was, so you don't see each other at all. You never talk with your voice. You never are in person with one another. So some people are what's called a catfish, where they're playing, quote unquote, playing a character instead of being themselves. Six players were playing themselves. Okay. But there was, it's weird because two players were playing a catfish together, and then one, two, three, three other people were catfish. So it was just, there was a lot more of that than there was in season one. Hmm. And it's funny because it almost doesn't even matter if you are a catfish in a way, because if people do or don't connect with your persona, they're going to rate you lower. So, I, for me, I don't really get the point of playing a catfish. Mm-hmm. I guess I would rather just play myself. A couple In a couple of instances, there was a guy, Lee, who was in reality 58 years old. So he created a character named River who was 24. <laughs> and I think he, he, he explained he's a, he's a novelist and he just wanted to play oh. a character and write somebody and see if he could fully embody them. That's kind of fun. Yeah. He kind of ends up revealing like, oh, River is actually sort of me at that age and I didn't really realize (laughs) and oh so when people are blocked and leave the circle somebody new comes in and after the first set of blocking a new player entered this season and they revealed that it was Lance Bass (laughs) from NSYNC the boy band singer interesting I will leave it alone and not spoil (laughs) about whether that was legit or not but there also was an instance where two players end up catfishing together as one new player Hmm. and one person is catfishing as her own husband (laughs) she just decided i want to be a guy and i'm just going to base this character on my real life husband so she had a lot of material okay and that was really funny that person liked a tweet of mine so i screenshot that and was very happy (laughs) that's fantastic yeah then of course i i have to mention there was a person who i really disliked at the beginning her name is chloe She's only 22 and she's from Essex, England. She'd previously been on another Netflix game show called Too Hot to Handle. Hmm. And she's very, very loud. She's very exuberant. She's She comes off that she's maybe not dumb, but she's kind of naive and a little spacey. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, I am super annoyed by this girl. But over time, <laughs> I got to really like her. I got to think she was very, very funny. And was really rooting for her. And I think that's very strange. I don't know. Yeah, that's a very 180 turnabout. Well, I think I ended up kind of liking how she approached the whole game. Okay. Some people are very strategic and think of it as this is a game. I'm going to win. I'm going to do things to people. Blah, blah. Some people take it in the middle where they do that a little bit. But then they also try to build genuine friendships. Chloe just tried to build genuine friendships and didn't really strategize too too much and i think i just ended up thinking that was really a decent way to go the guy who Mm -hmm. won season one did the same thing okay and i think it's telling that 
that's a strategy that can work. Mm -hmm. It can sometimes backfire very badly, but I don't know that I have a lot of like guile or I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I, I believe the best in people until they show me that's inaccurate. So I think I would just kind of float along and try to just get along with everybody. I don't know. <laughs> Especially during during a period of intense isolation like that. Like, mm-hmm. why make it unpleasant and backstabby? You know what I mean? Yes, for sure. I think I would follow that too. Yeah. I mean, I can't lie, so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all text. You could, you're getting to like write your ideas down before you actually say them and you don't have to see anyone so yeah i still think i would feel anxious about it though yeah yeah like is this really what like a 50 year old man would say i don't know (laughs) so i think it would just be a lot easier to approach it as myself and be like hey do you guys like (laughs) (laughs) dnd the one thing was there was a lot of i feel like this group skewed a little bit more young. There's not, there weren't as many people in their 30s. Most people are in their 20s. There's a couple people in their 30s and a couple in their 40s. But then Lee was 58 and was the oldest. But the thing that was very disheartening to me <laughs> was there were people who were so young they didn't know who Lance Bass was when he showed up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I'm almost too old to really have listened to Lance Bass too much, mm-hmm. but at least I know who he is and he's closer to my age. And I was like, Oh, I mean, there yeah. were most people did know who he was, but there were a couple who were like, <laughs> and Chloe especially was bad. Was like, oh, he's forty four. He's right, proper old. And like, <laughs> like, oh, Chloe, and she just didn't know that he was famous. So, <laughs> bless her heart. Anyway, it was really fun, and I, I think you know, I've been, I, I sometimes feel guilty when I get into a mode of watching a lot of reality tv but it's not all bad there are some that are Mm -hmm. interesting heartwarming compelling etc and you know if you want something that's just pretty short it's 13 episodes per season if you want something kind of short and kind of weird different etc i still recommend both seasons of this as being really fun viewing awesome we've talked about this before but i don't think there's anything wrong with reality tv no just like what you like exactly but this one sounds really kind of cute and not up- uplifting is not the word I want, but. Um... It's not a downer, though. It's, yeah. It is kind of uplifting. There is drama. There's like negative things that happen, but it's never super negative. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. It's pretty chill. Yeah. And people win money. And people win money, which is always great. Yeah. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Thank you. Do you know if they're going to have a season three? Oh, they're, I'm sure they're going to have season three. There's also, there's international seasons too. And some of my friends have gotten into watching The Circle France is also on Netflix. So if you want to get real crazy, there's there's other versions that they've put up online. So cool. I don't know if I'm feeling that, but yeah, yeah, for sure. There's two good seasons of the American version. So check those out. Great. You should apply to be on it. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> No. I don't know. No, because... I don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, just a thought. Yeah. But we also did something kind of different. This is, I don't know, there's no, there's no elegant way to shift gears to our (laughs) next topic. But I, you know how much I love Spotify. I love Mm -hmm. my streaming music stuff. And you're a big music fan. So Spotify, the streaming music service does a thing where every week, they create a playlist for you called your discover weekly. And I don't always listen to it. But I sometimes try to and it has introduced me to new songs or 
new artists or mm-hmm. weird songs by artists I already liked or or even just different versions of songs I already liked. So we decided to listen to our own this week, pick three of those and have the other person listen to them and check them out. So yes, it was very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. So the list that I had, I'm going to go through that and then you discuss what you thought of these songs. So sure. Yeah. On my list, the first song was Ahmad's Waltz by the Ahmad Jamal Quintet from their album, Listen to the Ahmad Jamal Quintet. And he is a let's see, jazz pianist. He's still alive. He's 90 years old, though. But oh, he's wow. from he's from Pittsburgh. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. I thought that was really cool. And so this song was from his 1960 album, Listen to the Ahmad Jamal Quintet from the Argo label. And so Ahmad's Waltz was just under five minutes long. So it's jazz. I guess I didn't really make that super clear about the genre. <laughs> and it's a jazz instrumental. So yeah. So what did you think of that? Okay, I thought it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. To start with, when you make a playlist, sometimes just the first song that you put on it will be the album cover that you see at the top. Mm-hmm. So that's the case with this here. And I did not realize that this was, what, 60 years old? Mm-hmm. Like, for some reason, I just assumed it was a contemporary song, a contemporary dude. And I didn't find out until today when I went to see what other albums they had that it was from 1960. So that was interesting because, well, with jazz too, I think, well, I don't know that much about jazz, so I don't know how much it changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I will say that this one grew on me. I really do have to be in the mood for jazz, and I did not expect jazz <laughs> <laughs> to be on your playlist. Mm-hmm. I saw Waltz, and I thought it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be instrumental, but more low key mm-hmm. and flowy and stuff. So when jazz came up, I was, I not startled, but you know, it took me back a little bit. Yeah. And then the more I listened to it, the more I was like, oh, I, yeah, I can get into this. So yeah, I ended up liking it. Cool. After the surprise, the initial surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I say I listen to a lot of jazz when I'm cooking and working, especially instrumental jazz. And I like jazz trios and small ensembles like this so i've never really listened to this artist before so this was recommended to me by spotify and they i think they were spot on (laughs) in recommending it to me and then so do you think this is the kind of stuff that you would listen to in similar situations or how long have you been planning that pun not like two seconds (laughs) (laughs) hmm I'm going to go with no, just because I don't. Yeah, jazz is really, it's like, I've really got to be in the mood for it. Mm. Yeah. So it's something that I would love to listen to outside. Mm. Like maybe, maybe take it with me on a walk. But the ideal setting for me for jazz is like summer evening outdoor concert. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. If these 90-year-old men played in a small town in Ohio outside this <laughs> summer, then I would go and okay. I would enjoy them. Awesome. <laughs> well, I actually used to work for an organization that was a nonprofit that put on several different music series over the course of the year. And one of their series was a jazz series. And many of their shows were at this little nightclub downtown. And so, like, I think I just have a happy feeling about jazz, especially this style of jazz. It just reminds me of that. And 
Oh. Getting to hear artists that I didn't really know before then. And I had that job when I was super young and it exposed me to a lot of interesting artists. So cool. Still have a soft spot for it. So yeah, but yeah, your scenario, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Maybe in the in the after times we will be able to do such things. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> so the second song on my list was Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground. And they were a sort of an avant-garde proto alternative rock band from the mid to late 60s, early 70s. Um, This song is from their fourth album, Loaded, from 1970. And this is specifically an expanded version of the song that appeared on a anniversary edition of the album Loaded. So I was already familiar with this song. I think that was recommended to me because I listened to them a lot. And this was just like the, you know, remastered edition of that album. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So what did you think of this? I thought it was fine oh <laughs> i mean i thought i i don't know i'm not good at talking about music and i apologize but it was pleasant enough <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's one of those songs that i would not seek out okay it's not super memorable to me mm-hmm. but if it came on the radio i would not turn it off okay how's that no, it's all good. That's fine. <laughs> I think that because I re-listened to these as I was choosing them. Lou Reed is the lead singer of Velvet Underground. He has a very kind of specific voice, I guess, is maybe mm. I don't want to say he was a bad singer. <laughs> I like that he's kind of not a traditional voice. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. And maybe that's not as much of an appealing style these days. I don't know. I'm sorry, did you say what year this came out? Oh, 1970. Okay. So he was influenced, I think, by people like Bob Dylan, who is also not known, known more as a songwriter than an interpreter of his own work, shall we say. So that's <laughs> a unique voice. There is a very, there's a cover of this song by the Cowboy Junkies from the late 90s. It's got a girl lead singer. It's very, very, very slow and kind of dreamy. And I feel like you might like that version better. Okay. Based on your interests. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I will look it up. Okay. So any other comments? Just not your cup of tea. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, not not my cup of tea. Just, you know, if someone put it in front of me, I would drink it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the last... <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and then the last song on my list was Leave It by the group Yes from their album 90125. And Yes are a prog rock band, and this album came out in 1983. And I actually, I, I'm familiar with Yes. I would not call myself a fan per se. This is one of those things where it was on my list. I thought it was kind of interesting and different, and I'd, I'd never heard it before. So what did you think of that one? I enjoyed it. So my dad listens to Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know the song in particular, mm-hmm. but listening to it when I saw it was yes, I was like, oh, this reminds me of my dad. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> um, and it's good. It's fun, like, rockish music. Mm-hmm. So if I had to rate them, mm-hmm. I would put this first among all three. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. I thought it was different. It's got a lot of, like, acapella moments, and it's a little bit more of a fuller sound than some of their other. I just thought it was kind of different for them so mm-hmm. yeah and the, the genre of it is considered new wave so that is a genre that i like but yeah it's a little different yeah cool yeah 
I do have a question. Yeah. Did you have any songs on your Discover Weekly that were later than 1990? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I had a lot. Okay, so here's what I spared you from. I had a lot of current electronic music, like very repetitive dance music. And I spared you from that. I had one little like British girl pop song that I actually didn't like very much, but you might have liked. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. Oh, this this is not from past 1990, but I had a song from Schoolhouse Rock on there called Three is a Magic Number from Multiplication Rock. Interesting. And then I also had this very strange song that was like a novelty song from the early 80s that I'd never heard of that was by a fake group oh. that was doing self-help rock. And I was like, this is very weird. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I did have some newer stuff. I had some stuff by um, Arcade Fire. Okay. And I can't remember who else. Some of them, some of them sounded a little similar to each other. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to pick three very, very different genres. And knowing that some of yours would probably be newer, I did, I did deliberately pick some older stuff. So yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> did you have anything before 1990 on your list? Honestly, no. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's, yeah, let's tell me about what you picked for me. So, yeah, interesting. I did not put as much thought about you into it. Oh, <laughs> you were very nice about wanting me to, you know, not experience EDM and stuff. Yes. But I was just like, I want to pick some of my favorite songs from, from here. And I did try to make them not sound too, too similar. But my list, because I've been listening to a lot of Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And Spotify has given me a couple, a couple playlists called like Women of Folk, and I've really liked that. I think there's like acoustic women or something like that. So mm-hmm. my list was like ninety percent women. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not give you the Ed Sheeran song that was on there. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh I might have liked that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so the first one I picked is called Thinking About by Lauren Aquilina, and I picked it because. I have heard a few songs by her before, mm-hmm. and I've always liked them, and I think I've put a couple on my liked playlist, but I haven't delved deep into her catalog yet, and I just thought it would be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's from her album, Isn't It Strange?, which I believe is from 2016, mm-hmm. and I'm not even going to try to put these into genres because I'm very bad at that, so maybe you can do that. <laughs> Well, I think I think of this one as being kind of more indie folk with a little bit of a rock influence, but more dreamy. I don't know. So it's probably I think it's classified as indie folk or something. Yeah. And I liked this. I thought it, it grew on me. It was a little bit. I liked the repetitive nature of the lyrics. Her voice is really pretty. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, it was very pleasant. I don't know. I don't know if I would seek more out by her, but I wouldn't turn it off. Mm-hmm. So, fair. yeah, no, no, I, I actually listened to this again today and was like, oh, I really like the pattern of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of a quasi breakup song and it's a little yeah. slow, but it was very pretty. Cool. Great. I forgot to mention that I really liked the piano on that song. Yes. Very pretty. Very pretty. Yeah. So the next one I picked is called Loving Her by Katie Pruitt, and it's from her 2020 album Expectations. And I put this on because it's very representative of the folksy music, like the folk pop 
that I've been listening to a lot. Mm-hmm. And I chose this one out of all of the folk pop-ish songs on the list because this one actually made me go to her artist sites or art whatever artist thingy page artist page <laughs> sure <laughs> it made me go to her artist page and i listened to more songs by her i listened to the whole album oh cool so that's why i put this one on on there cool yeah i i like this a lot i like the message it's kind of a coming out song and it's got that sort of alt country feel and i think mm-hmm of it as kind of a little bit of a stick it to the country music industry a little bit (laughs) because she's kind of like talking about her girlfriend and saying like hey if you don't like this turn this song off and I was like go that's great (laughs) and listening to it an additional time I was like weirdly emotional like I thought it was very sweet but I have to admit that you do like some newer country or things that sound country more than I do so I feel like I support her and she's awesome. I don't know that I would listen to the whole album. <laughs> I'm on the edge because I... Li- That's totally fine. Yeah, I like some classic country. Like I'm a big like Dolly Parton fan and there's one of the guys from the Monkees, Michael Nesmith, does some alt country and I really like him. But okay. so it has to be really like super recommended to me and, and stopped <laughs> for me to get into country. I mean, even yeah. some of the early Taylor Swift I'm not all about, I have to say. I totally get that. But I thought she had a good voice. I thought it was a very beautifully written song. And I think it's it's on that border of like Americana, you know, mm. indie all, alternative country. So it's not completely out of my wheelhouse, but I would not have sought this out. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. The more I think about my own listening style, I do listen to a lot more country than people would expect, I think. Mm-hmm. More country than I realize, I think. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some some... A lot of stuff, especially newer stuff, is sort of cross-genre, and mm-hmm. I think some of those very hard delineations of genre are falling apart, and I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Musicians are being influenced by a lot of different things, and it's funny whenever you hear musicians talk about what they actually listen to themselves, it's like, what? Are you kidding me? And so, <laughs> yeah, so I can see why it's a little more porous, and that's great. So, yeah. Cool. So my last song is called Backseat by Charlie Adams and I just took a quick look it looks like she doesn't have a full album out yet it looks like mostly singles mm-hmm. and it's just from the single backseat mm-hmm. and I picked this out of all of the songs there were like what 30 songs on yeah. my list I think mm-hmm. and I picked this because I liked it but also I picked it for you and I put <laughs> it last for you because it reminded me of an 80s song <laughs> And I totally get that. It does have that. (laughs) This is very similar to The Weeknd's current album, Mm. where he's playing with like that vaporwave, synthwave sound. And so it's got that about it. I liked this one. I don't know if it was my favorite. I almost like the Lauren Aquilina song better. but, But it might be... I don't know. It was good. I did like it. It was <laughs> okay. li- lyrically not as memorable as the other two. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but I think the sound is for sure in my wheelhouse. <laughs> There's something about, I like Lauren Aquilina's voice the best of all three of them. I don't know if I like Charlie Adams' voice as much. Okay. But I'd be interested to see where she goes. And yeah, I was not able to, I did research all these ladies and I did not find as much about her. So, and she's British, I think. 
I'll be interested to see what else she does. For sure. But yeah, no, I did like it. And I liked all of them. It was just, yeah, but these are definitely in our own. (laughs) I think it's telling that yours was very sort of similar to each other. And mine was Mm -hmm. really weirdly all over the place. And I, yes, I'm a freak. I don't know. I listen to everything, but. No, that's, that's cool. I've just (laughs) been in more of a groove lately. Yeah. 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 So I think that's why it came out the way it did. But. Oh, trust me. When I got my year end, the year of the start of the pandemic, my end of year was really weird because I'd been just doing a lot of working at home. So it was all instrumental dance music. And I do listen to that a lot, but it's not most of what I listen to. I didn't think. Yeah. But I'd been just leaving Spotify on all day while I was typing all day. And it's just like, okay, I must really like Moby, I guess. <laughs> so I think Spotify can only know what you tell it. Yeah. And I'll give it the piece of advice that whenever you're listening to any Spotify playlist, one of the best things you can do for yourself and for the algorithm is make sure to click the little heart button and say that you like it, because then it will learn better what you actually like. That is good to know. Yeah. Very cool. I am getting more into Spotify. Like I'll have it on at work. Sometimes I get really annoyed because I don't have premium, which is (laughs) dumb. I should just get premium, but sometimes I just get annoyed by the ads. Yeah. But I have mostly been using it to listen to stuff I already know about, Mm. but I'm getting slowly getting more into finding other people's playlists and Mm -hmm. listening to my Discover Weekly Mm-hmm. and finding new artists. So I'm I'm excited. I'm going to probably follow all of the women that I put on my list and you know, keep an eye out for keep an ear out for more, <laughs> for, more <laughs> for more of their stuff later. So cool. Yeah. I do have a premium and I've had it for a couple of years and I will say it's that is a great investment. It's not very expensive. They're not paying me to say that. I don't I don't buy CDs anymore. Like ever. Yeah. So it's been great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. That was super fun. I, yeah, I don't know if we found brand new artists from each other's list, but I think we no. found stuff we liked on our own list and that's fine. Exactly. Yeah. That was very interesting and cool. And yeah. we should do something else similar yes. in the future for sure. Absolutely. So next week, we're going to talk about more great pop culture stuff. Stay tuned for that. We are probably going to take a little summer vacation so we may play some classic episodes we may come back with some shorter stuff so just stick around and see what we do our theme music is by joseph mcdade you can find me on twitter at kw taylor writer and me on twitter at carrie gessner and you can find us together on twitter at pause pop podcast if you want to email us you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com thanks for listening stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of pause pop pause pop